This episode is a mic swap. It's a concept I came up with back in 2017 at the very start of Shareable. I thought, what if I shared the mic and let my guests become the host and I became the guest of my own show? This simple swap has allowed my guest hosts to take the conversation in unique and unexpected directions, producing some amazing one-of-a-kind conversations that I never could have planned. The concept is so good, in fact, that plenty of my podcaster friends have taken the idea for themselves. So, I hope you enjoy this episode of Mike Swap. Lou Diamond is here, and I'm excited because I got the Jeff Gibbard right here, who's always got the coolest thing. Not only does he have the Spider-Man chair, which is just like badass, but he's got his his prominent JG just like blended together. I love that. You see, I I have odd shaped letters in my name and L and D, one's curved, one's straight. It's it's really hard to do that. If I was like mm-hmm. DL, it might work. Like you may yeah. be able to get something there, but I just can't do it. So just got that nice merger of things. Yeah, yeah. It, it worked out nicely. I got to uh, attribute the original design to uh, Artistic Dork on Twitter and all places. Uh, Mike Mielsey, he did the original logo and then we updated it with a new font. I love him. He's a good guy. I'm going to do something really interesting here, Jeff. I want to do what I like to say is like a topic that is hot right now. We're recording this in late November, right Mm -hmm. before Thanksgiving. And I want to, one, cover this topic that it kind of dances in your space a Mm -hmm. little bit. I wanted to get a little bit of your expertise because of the medium that you are incredibly familiar with. I then want to kind of tap into this thanksgiving holiday for you and then we'll just put a bow on this thing because 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 cool. no, nobody wants to listen too long you know my motto is be brief be bright be gone for those who don't know me obviously i was a guest on the show and on top of all of that i i host a podcast show called thrive loud where uh jeff was not only on the show we did something cool we did something where we merged two books together my book speak easy and his book the lovable leader i think we called it the, the lovable leader speak easy or something like that mm-hmm. here we are in Late November, earlier this month, a certain gentleman by the name of Elon Musk took over Twitter. Mm. And he took it over. He, he purchased it whether he wanted to or not. Uh, and uh, and then since then, uh, he gave kind of an ultimatum that people would have to start really working hard or give their, their notice, which a whole bunch of people left. And it's obviously shaken things up. I, I wanted to get your take on this. Um, first of all, I want to get your take on Twitter itself because- Twitter has always been a different animal as it related relates to social media. Yep. And and I wanted to get your take on Twitter. And then I want to get your take on this whole thing with Elon Musk. So, Jeff, yeah. your thoughts on Twitter as a platform itself today from where maybe it's been. Where it's Ooh, from, so where it is today is, is um, I guess, in many ways, probably the predictable outcome of where from whence it came and how it developed. But I, I have been the biggest fan of Twitter since its inception, since I got on Twitter in 2008, I think it was. Mm. Uh, my the, the account that's still active was 2009. I've loved it since then. The chaos of it, the discovery, the um, the 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 real-time nature of it, but at the same time, like the asynchronous nature of it, it just works with the way that my brain works. Um, so I've always loved Twitter. I've met so many incredible people there, and I, I've had such a good experience until like 2014 and then things started to shift a bit. And then between 2015 and 2020, it it just turned into a dumpster fire that was no longer fun. Mm-hmm. Um, just the kind of the, the toxicity grew to such a degree where you couldn't avoid it. And there are a lot of people who that was their experience on Twitter from the very beginning, yeah. but um, it just came seeping out to such a point where you couldn't ignore it. So the Twitter of today, I think, has become 
um, a very unsafe place for a lot of different people. And it's become a very safe place for people who it's unfortunate that they have a safe place to spew the things that they're going to spew. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I think it's become a bit of a model in some ways um, for um, for how misinformation can spread and how hate and divisiveness can flourish and all of those sorts of things. I think it's unfortunate because I think what's happening on Twitter now is what Parler and Gab and Truth Social tried to do, but yeah. that Twitter basically said, well, we'll just start at third base instead of like trying to start at first base and go to second base. They're like, well, we'll just buy it where it is and we'll just open the floodgates and let it be even worse. So it's not good where it is now. Uh, I'm very unhappy about it. I deleted all 28, 35,000 tweets, whatever it was. Really? I put up a post that said, deuces, I'm out. Um, and that was the hardest decision in social for me because I I am equally, um, perhaps even more so, hating on Facebook and all of its properties. Mm -hmm. But um, it there's just currently still more business value there that it's tough to walk away from. Like my network's more engaged there. Yeah, Twitter, it was tough because I have kind of arguably more visible clout there than I would anywhere else. And it was my favorite, but I had to, I just had to step away from it. So that's kind of my general thoughts on where it is. So when did you, when did you step away? When was that um, post when you took everything down? When, when um, was it was shortly after the deal went through with Okay, so recent. Like it was, it was like it was even before. I think it was. Um, actually, I remember the day because I remember the very first day that I posted it was that day that uh, Elon posted that he was carrying the sink into Twitter headquarters. So it was before <laughs> yeah, actually so recently, the sale yeah. was truly finalized. Yeah. That was my post where I was like, "All right, I'm out." And um, I put that up. I downloaded my archive. I found this tool that allows me to like delete my stuff. Deleted my stuff, and then um, I I took down that post and put up one final kind of like. I'm out. I hope to be able to come back one day. I also don't want like my username taken or whatever, just in case right. it, it does return from the brink. But yeah, I, I stepped away shortly after he took over. So is is part of you is part of your stepping away was was is related to how it's just become a toxic place to be, or because he because Elon Musk decided he was going to take over this platform? Which was the which what was the final straw that broke the back? Um, I, I kind of see Elon Musk as sort of like the avatar for all of the things that I find objectionable and, and that conflict with my values in so many ways. I mean, mm -hmm. he's he's a, a a just the shining example of crap capitalism. Um, so just that uh, he's a terrible boss slash leader, like just horrible to his people, exhibits no care, trust or safety. So just awful he's a complete hypocrite as it relates to free speech absolutism like he'll clearly silence people that are saying mean things to him but wants to let like you know anti-trans violent rhetoric just flourish on his platform so everything about him conflicts with my values and um again zuckerberg is is certainly no better i i probably despise him just as much but again i still think there's it's there's no alternative right now to leaving Facebook because you're it, it's like you just isolate yourself. Right. At, at a certain point, it's like I have a newsletter. Great. Well, how are people going to find me? So I, I'm still I'm still uh, um, reluctantly using Facebook and Instagram um, because, you know, I, I want to be able to reach my audience. Uh, Twitter was one where despite having arguably a bigger audience there, it just was less engaged and it's more openly now hostile yeah. in, in its position in the world. I find it interesting. I'll give, I'll give a little bit on my take on this. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think that 
Elon defines the definition of what entitled means. Okay, yes. this is a guy who came from an emerald empire of South Africa and obviously uh, has never has never known suffering and 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 whether you you know he's been an innovator or not because he is a brilliant individual. I'm not taking away his intelligence and his his ability to to have succeeded as he has as, as one of the wealthiest people in the world. Um, you know, the, the, the ability to have a different perspective. I actually looked at his acquisition of Twitter no differently than American billionaires wanting to own sports teams. I, yeah. I, I somehow felt like that was one of those brands that he could associate with. That's how it looked on the outside. Um, from a business perspective, I actually looked at it and like, he probably also, somebody who is advising him, it's not just him, looked at this and probably said, we've got way too many people. We could probably operate this thing at a much more effective component to whatever it is. Let's do this, get rid of all the different people. And you could look at it in, in that regard, but it's very difficult when he's so, his his public persona and brand is such a an interesting aspect to it. My thoughts on Twitter have always been that, and a little bit later to the game than you. That's about the time, 2014, 15, when I was coming in versus 2008. I may have had an account early on, but the the uh, the, the limited number of character space and what you're trying to message, as opposed to coming up with little drops of wisdom every day, didn't fit with a lot of the stuff that I was messaging, I guess. So I always had a tough time cracking, let alone absorbing how the content in Twitter yeah. is, is, is it's it's very difficult to to follow in certain ways, as as I guess all this, this the streaming platforms are. Um, to your point about Zuckerberg, where Elon is more of that entitled guy, I always take Zuckerberg from, if you know the roots of how something started, I mean, literally the address of now Meta, formerly Facebook, is one hacker way. You you have to understand that literally that was the impetus for starting this thing was to break something up um, versus bring things together. I know that mm -hmm. sounds really weird because that's underlying no, what Facebook was doing. So I find that that, that impetus very interesting and while these guys will still be successful in different lights going forward, how these mediums interact and what other mediums, to your point, people use is, is kind of cool, which now gets me, before I get to the thankful piece here, as, as you look at the way that we share things and the way that we connect with others in the digital medium and in, in all of this, if you were to take like uh, your finger in the air and like kind of like swipe and say which direction you see things going, which will help people to better connect better. I, you know, obviously these platforms have become essential in certain aspects of reaching people, but your take on this medium moving forward in the next one year, two year, three year, what, what you see is, is how this works. Yeah. There's a lot of chatter about, you know, blockchain and web 3.0 and how that'll revolution. I'm, I'm not on that. I'm not on that train. Um, the side of things that I do kind of find interesting, and I've been talking about this actually since about 2010, this idea of, what really defines social media, I thought was the most interesting thing is, and you see this in everything that's like the innovation that came of this certain way, is that you're moving a one-way transmission transmission to a two-way transmission, that there's the creator and the consumer, and that when you flip those, and you see this in smart grid technology, you put solar panels on your roof, you sell energy back to the grid, all of a sudden, we now have more nodes in the network, the network becomes more valuable, more stable, better, et cetera. I think that's the real answer to a lot of these things. So in the same way, social media, I don't know if you've checked out Mastodon yet, but I've been playing a lot with Mastodon and the entire federated social yeah. web and this idea of having kind of an ownerless network where there's just a lot of different server nodes. And there's problems that comes with this as well. 
But if you decentralize the process of social, you make it more of a public utility, you make it more open, you give people options, you have interoperability so that you can move from one thing to another. I think there's a little bit about data ownership and data portability we have to get to. But the better world is I own my data. You can't sell my stuff. You can't access it unless we have an agreement and an arrangement. And then if I want to leave this server or this thing or go to this other network, I can pick up my stuff and I can leave without losing anything. Right. Because right now the issue, as I mentioned with Facebook, is we're locked in. Like I can't just take my Facebook network and go elsewhere and still communicate with them. I must be on Facebook in order to do that. Same thing with Instagram, same thing with LinkedIn, same thing with Twitter. And what's interesting is uh, one of the most, I think one of the most interesting things that's happened recently. So you've got Mastodon, Tumblr, which, you know, at one mm -hmm. point was a popular social media platform, starting to have a little bit of a resurgence in the wake of the Elon Musk stuff. They've actually agreed to use this uh, platform called Activity Something. Um, I forget what it's called, but it, it's the ability to actually allow Tumblr to join the federated social network universe. So people on Mastodon could follow people on Tumblr and vice versa mm -hmm. and get it in your feed. So imagine if like you were on Twitter and you could follow people on Facebook and you could follow people on Instagram and then they could follow you and you could use your preferred network, but be able to follow people elsewhere. Sort of like email, right? Like if I'm on Gmail and you're on AOL, I can still email you. You can still email me back. Same thing, I think, is what we need in social, which is it needs to become more of a, a platform, like a protocol that we all can tap in and use in our own way. And I think the real benefit after that is is when we start to give uh, the users the ownership and the autonomy and the the uh, the rights to their information. Yeah, one of the big jokes that I've had as somebody that has to manage a lot of content that needs to go on different platforms, <laughs> I just want one place to go and it goes yep. everywhere. I, I actually want to equate it more like podcasting. We record a podcast episode, we host it up to whoever is hosting it and it distributes accordingly to all the other stuff. Yeah. I would love it to be that way because it would enable you to like get one message in one part just from the level of efficiency and yeah. not wasting a lot of time. That's just 100%. My, my, my two cents on that. No, I'm with you. And there's so I still consult a lot of um, agencies and other uh, clients on uh, different things in marketing a lot with productivity and things. And there's a big conversation around content versus social media content. So I think of content as like big C, podcasts, yeah. blogs, things that are kind of universal and they can go to other places where social media content is like, well, this is a TikTok video and right. this is a reel and this is an Instagram story and this is a Snapchat story. It's like, there's a bit of um, uh, proprietariness to social media content, whereas big C content is like, well, I can distribute it here and it goes everywhere. Yeah. I, I I love the way that you look at it. And now I, I also love the way you think. Um, I've gotten a chance to at least discuss a lot of what your book this this year coming up, The, the Lovable Leader is all about, which is going to be really cool. I look forward to being involved in some of the promotion of all this fun stuff when you're ready for it. Uh, and you've so that's given you a chance to to put your stuff together on paper and, and give your your superhero message out there and a lot of the ways that you need to be in that lovable type of way. Um, which means that when you think about lovableness, you think about things you love, things you're, you're appreciative of, things you're thankful of. And we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. So looking back to the beginning of this year, or even go back to last Thanksgiving, since the last time we've done this, can you share with the listeners what you, Jeff Gibbard, are thankful for? And you could list it in whatever way you'd like, from a work perspective, personal perspective. You've had some interesting life events take place as well. So maybe maybe share that with everybody if you could. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, I'm I'm most thankful for the fact that I have two healthy, happy children. Because um, you know that uh, you know, that 
it's a real concern prior to them arriving. You're like, oh God, please just let them come out. Five fingers, five toes, you know, yeah. each hand and foot. Yeah, I figured um, a total would yeah, be a little ten, weird. Ten, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So th- I think that's obviously a big one. Um, um, uh, um, you know, I'm very thankful that my dad's still around. He's been mm-hmm. uh, going through some some medical issues and the fact that he's like still around is able to meet my my kids. That's awesome. So I'm super thankful about those things in my uh, my immediate family thing. On the work side, I'm I'm really thankful for my business partner and how well uh, our partnership has gone. Uh, we started this business idea called Super Productive uh, about two years ago, and we didn't know what would happen with it. We're Asana certified pros. We just started it up, and we we're like, oh, maybe something will happen. And now it's my primary source of revenue, and uh, it it took off like a rocket ship. Um, and I it shocks both of us. So I'm very wow. thankful for that. And um, you know, I guess I'm just thankful that I get to do what it is that I do. I don't have a boss. I get to pursue all of my interests. No one tells me, no, you can't do that. And if they do, I say, okay, that's cool. Like, I'm just going to go do my thing over here and you can do your thing there. No harm, no foul. Um, so I, I, I'm very thankful for the freedom that I have in how I structure my time, how I structure my work, the types of projects I'll take on, the ones that I won't. Um, that's something I'm super thankful for. If you were uh, to hit the fast forward button, and you got a couple of wishes coming up for the next year, things you are hopeful for or looking forward to doing or new things that are coming about. This is your wish list here now, Jeff. You get a chance to obviously put one out there and say, hey, this is something I'm hoping to be thankful for um, and hope that it comes through. Share with that. With the yeah. My, my hope for the coming several years is um, I really am looking forward to, I, I took a bit of a step back on my speaking career for a bit. Uh, one, because I just have so many different things going on. Two, I would I made like a super hard left pivot in my speaking. I spoke about social media for 10 years uh, and I don't talk about social media anymore. I talk about leadership. I talk about becoming superhuman. I talk about neurodiversity at work. So, I mean, vastly different, um, you know, things that I'm super interested in, things that I've gone super deep on researching and learning about. Um, so I'm really hopeful that in the coming uh, two years, I'm going to get back on more stages. I'm going to uh, do more in terms of my speaking career. I love speaking to audiences, um, different audiences for different talks, but I absolutely love doing that. Uh, I'm really uh, hopeful for investing in building my audience. Again, like I think because I took that hard left turn, people knew me as like the social media guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've spent the last several years reinventing myself and you know repositioning myself based around what I really feel like it's always been about, which is about people and about helping them grow and and um, become their best selves. So I'm really hopeful for uh, building out my audience. So wish list, I, I'd like to grow my audience considerably. I think that'll also help me get on those uh, bigger stages. So I'm putting all my heart and soul into everything, and I, I just hope it pays off. Bringing this all together, because this was my plan all along, was obviously taking that, his knowledge of that particular space that he used to be as most familiar with and what people knew him for, and obviously helping to bridge the gap on what will make him more notable in the future. If you had the opportunity to coach and provide leadership guidance to both Elon Musk and Mr. Zuckerberg, how would you help them embrace their superpowers? Even though I know you don't like them so much in their own ways, but you get to flex your lovable leadership for that organization, for those type of things. What would you do? How would I mean, you it's, the, the chasm between my philosophy and their reality is so great that what I'm about to say is going to sound like profoundly radical, like, like, yeah, right. But you, you simply can't have that kind of wealth without having exploited the people that are underneath you and exploiting the platforms and, uh, you know, customers. It's just it's it's almost not possible. Uh, 
because you have to garner that margin somewhere. So my first thing would be like, you have to give away 90% of the wealth that you currently have back to the people that helped you grow this in the first place. You, okay. How can you care about your people? How can you care about them if you're reaping the rewards from their labor to that extent? So, I mean, that would be the first thing. The second thing is I think for any communities that they've harmed through their actions, I think part of their their the money that they've acquired through harming those communities you have to immediately give back to those communities. So I think both of them have an immense amount that they have to give back to minority communities, black and brown communities, uh, Asian communities, the, the amount of like Asian hate, black and brown hate, trans hate, all of that that flows through their platforms, you know, uh, without any sort of uh, real significant effort to stop it. Those communities have been permanently harmed as a result of this. They need to be giving back a crap ton of money for those things. So I, I guess before I ever got to like, how do you interact with the people on your team? They have to, they have like just tons of work to do to, to show that they have earned the right to have those conversations with their team about care and trust and safety. You simply you simply would not be able to sit at the seat that they're at and start changing your message of like, oh, I really, I care about our people and our communities. And I want to be like for Mark Zuckerberg to build back trust, trust and Zuckerberg. I mean, th these are like almost diametrically opposed concepts. So the core pillars of uh, lovable leadership being care, trust and safe travels uh, to do any of those three, the two of them would have to just wipe the slate clean almost and start over and they'd have to sacrifice themselves to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, else I don't think there's much hope for them actually becoming lovable leaders. So I used to have this belief that everyone at some aspect in their life is coachable mm -hmm. at some regard. And, and, and this is what we're talking about is, is can these people be coachable within this? Uh, I got a chance to meet two particular people who I initially thought on the outside were not coachable people, but they were. Mm -hmm. One is Richard Branson, who, by the way, is actually one of the most philanthropic and nicest people you'll ever come across in your yeah, life. Yeah, Branson's like, right? uh, I, like I'm very anti-billionaire in general, but I will say Branson's one of the ones that of the things I've seen, I'm like, mm, this dude's all right. The other one that I've gotten to see another side of is is Sergey from from Google. Yeah, Sergey Brin. And Sergey uh, has a family member who suffers from Parkinson's, and I'm very much involved in um, Michael J. Fox's uh MJFF, Michael J. Fox, uh, Parkinson's Research Foundation. And um, a lot of the work that they go through with that, I got a chance to see him and also see, obviously talk about philanthropy. Every dollar that is raised from what's called Team Fox, which is all the grassroots things, he matches every year, which is oh, now in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, not knowing much about him, but just seeing him in this particular light, these are people that have the ability to at least connect to certain causes and things that that matter to them to give in whatever way they want. And and I think in, in both those instances, these are people that have a perception outside that most people wouldn't think that, but they actually genuinely are. Where, where I think we get a chance to, these other individuals need a little bit of reality check and what we see, we don't. But I somehow think that there is a lovable leader inside of each of us. And 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 I think it's it's tappable. Now, yeah. But to your point, there are there are actions and steps and things and and uh, that you need to get to that enable you to get there. I, I don't know if they are. I don't know them personally enough. But yeah, I mean, I, I believe, believe in yeah. the good in people. So right. just by by nature of how I see human beings, I believe no one is really probably setting out there to be evil. Maybe some, but most are just misguided, misinformed, ignorant, uh, unempathetic to other people and 
if you could just get them to see something in a certain way, maybe it would open up their mind to things. I just think that, again, as I said, I think the chasm between certain types of people and the 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 people that they may be harming, whether it's not even on their mind, uh, you know, that, that chasm is just so gigantic that I think it would take months and months and months to even get to the point where they see that other people are humans and not ants. Excellent. Jeff Gibbard, great to have you on the mic swap here. Truly a pleasure to chat with you anytime. It's always much, always a ton of fun. Agreed. Everyone out there, remember this is shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.